And now, broadcasting on StarWorldWideNetworks.com, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the Cannabis Reporter, Snowden Bishop. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us today. We're going to switch gears and talk about the devastating impact opioid pharmaceuticals have had on our society. What you may not know is that more than 2 million Americans are addicted to opioid painkillers. Every day in the U.S., 78 people die because of an overdose. With millions of narcotic pills dispensed annually to manage pain caused by football injuries, the NFL community has been disproportionately hard hit by the staggering rise of addiction and premature deaths caused by these overdoses. In a study conducted by Washington University and ESPN, a survey of 644 former NFL players found that more than half were frequently prescribed opioids during their career. And of those, 71% reported that they had struggled with some form of addiction. That's an unwelcome side effect that only compounds already debilitating conditions. Despite the evidence that medical marijuana helps to mitigate inflammation, aches, and pains, and helps players to manage neurological issues and memory loss associated with their injuries, NFL players are barred from using it, even in states where it's legal. A growing number of current and former NFL players are calling for an end to the overprescribing of these dangerous drugs and are advocating for legal use of cannabis to treat their football injuries instead. The medical community has been slow to embrace this as a viable alternative, but thanks to the efforts of people like my guests today, that may be changing. So first I'd like to introduce Dr. David Tonkin. He's one of the nation's premier pain management specialists with board certifications in anesthesiology and pain management. Welcome, Dr. Tonkin. Thanks for being here. Good afternoon, Snowden. How are you? <laughs> Doing well, thank you. And um, I'd also like to introduce our other guest. Uh, this is an 11-year veteran of the NFL and a Super Bowl star, Marvin Washington, who played for the New York Jets, San Francisco 49ers, and the Denver Broncos. And that's in addition to your college career, correct? Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. I, was a, I, I, I won a Super Bowl on the Broncos. I know about a Super Bowl star, but I was certainly <laughs> part of that team in, in, in 98. But, but thanks for the kind introduction. Well, I tell you what, anybody who played for the NFL is a star in my eyes. And um, to be on in the Super Bowl is even, you know, doubly celestial. So congratulations to you for that. It's quite a feat. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. But, uh, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I I know that you've got firsthand knowledge of what goes on in the NFL treating the injuries because, I mean, as a contact sport, it's probably one of the most brutal as far as I know. Um, have have you, you're well informed about the issue and you're now quite an advocate for uh, cannabis being used as an alternative in pain management and also for CTE and that sort of thing. How did you come to become such an advocate? Well, it happened. Uh, I was networking, and I didn't know anything about it. My um, my outlook on, on marijuana at the time was like recreational, recreational, and the stuff that you get from the government, reefer madness, and you know it had been shaped by that. And then I met um, 
two guys that 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 had their cannabis company, and then they had a patent from the government to study uh, CBD as a uh, antioxidant and neuroprotectant from the brain. And being with those guys and going to conferences and get myself educated on the, the benefits of the cannabis plant, it was a no-brainer. And the thing to me, if, if there's ever a sport that needs to experiment or, or look at marijuana uh, for pain management and for treatment of the brain, it's football. And football uh, is the biggest sport uh, in America, and the NFL is the biggest league in the world. And when they move, you know, they, they, they can move the whole industry. And this is one of the things that I'm trying to do is, number one, is to educate the public on the benefits of the cannabis plant. Number two is to change the negative connotation of, you know, the use of the use of cannabis, because it has been uh, it, 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 it has been, you know, uh, with a lot of uh, negative things about it. And I just think the prohibition should end. We need to research it and get the benefits out of it, because, you know, for it to be illegal, the reason why it was illegal is is ridiculous. And um, I see this as a movement, and I think it's going to happen within within the very near future. Yeah, well, this, the stigma has been going on for 80 years or so. And I think that once, once people like you, who are in the public eye a lot, are advocating for this, and also as doctors begin to actually embrace cannabis as an alternative, I think that the minds will start changing. But um, Dr. Tonkin, do you treat a lot of football injuries? Um, not, uh, to tell you the truth, not really. Actually, we uh, just treat the public. Um, we have many athletes that actually come in here, but not at the level uh, Mr. Washington was at. We, um, I actually have one of the, our friends who's going to be on the roundtable this weekend, Josh Kinney, he's a professional baseball player, just retired with the World Series ring and things. But, um, you know, I think one of the problems I think Mr. Washington definitely um, alluded to was the stigma. You know, growing mm-hmm. up, you know, in, in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, and then just learning that uh, marijuana is a bad thing, it's very, very hard to get over that stigma. And as a physician, it's very, very difficult. The, the problem I think uh, we get down to is, Mr. Washington will attest to, is when these uh, players do get injured or just the layman gets injured, you know, narcotics are prescribed to these patients, and one out of four people become addicted to these medications, where CBD and things like that, there's no addictive potential to the CBD at all. So. Um, I think at some point we the, the medical community is going to have to look at all the research yeah. that's being done currently and everything in the past, and it's overwhelming the benefits you can get from CBD. Yeah, and and as a doctor as well, because you're you're licensed nat- nationally, it's very difficult for you to be able to actually write a you can't write a prescription for it federally, isn't that correct? That's that's correct. I have um, license in 14 states and. Some of them do have medical marijuana and some of them don't. Whenever I contact and I work with the DEA on uh, uh, pill mill cases and things like that, and when I ask them if they've ever arrested a a physician, no one has ever said, yes, we have. But it is still a federal crime to prescribe marijuana. So uh, the good thing is the CBD, if obtained in the right channels, is uh, legal throughout the United States. Right. It's not legal to grow hemp, but it's legal to consume uh, hemp uh, derivative products like hemp seeds and they use it as protein powder and all sorts of 
other nutritional supplements. But so you, have you been working with a lot of patients with cannabis personally? Uh, actually, we've been working quite a bit with CBD. We actually, okay. in the pain clinic, we treat all kinds of chronic pain. We also treat addiction. And just recently, we've been giving, uh, uh, thanks to Isodial, who uh, donated some CBD, we actually gave uh, 20 patients who have chronic pain, including back surgeries, and also people that have opioid use disorder and addiction problems. And in the last two weeks, we've seen a 30 to 60% decrease in the amount of opioids that the patients had to take. And also the uh, patients that had opioid use disorder or addiction, um, four out of the 10 don't even take Suboxone or any kind of buprenorphine product uh, because all the cravings are taken away from with the CBD. So we've been using it in our clinics across the country for both pain and addiction. Wow. And it's, it's unusual to hear that because a lot of people believe that the THC is what removes the pain, but it's not necessarily the case. Um, no. And actually, I've been into a couple labs in Colorado where they actually do scientific testing on rats. And it's, it's pretty amazing. It's the same kind of scientific testing they do in pharmaceutical companies. And uh, it's amazing. Obviously, the animals can't, aren't biased on these things, but uh, the medication actually exists. And um, this weekend, actually, the gentleman I was speaking to, Josh Kinney, the guy who played for the St. Louis Cardinals, he actually just um, called me last night and he uh, twisted his knee and it was all swollen. He put actually transdermal cream on his uh, knee and it feels better. It's, it's very, very hard to believe as a, a physician that this stuff actually works. But uh, um, scientifically it works, studies prove it, and also I've seen it in all of our patients in our clinic. So it is actually a legit form of uh, treating pain and opioid use disorder. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get back to you, Marvin, in just a moment, but um, Dr. Tonkin, as a physician, you know very well about the endocannabinoid system in the human body. So when, when you're in medical school and you're studying about this particular system in your body, it, doesn't it seem to make sense that cannabis is naturally helpful to that system? You know, um, I know I sound on the, on the radio, I sound like I'm about 18 years old, but I'm 48 years old, and back in medical school, they actually never uh, brought up the endocannabinoid system. Really? Um, actually, whenever you're in medical school, the studies show that you get less than six hours of any kind of training regarding pain medications. So over the last, I think since December of 2015, after the federal government did some subsidizing and kind of put pressure on medical schools, there's over 60 medical schools now training uh, their uh, medical students about proper prescribing of opioids in general, following those CDC guidelines that came out in May, uh, March or May. And then um, I think it was 191 nursing schools are actually came out with it, actually trained. So the, I think one of the big problems I always, um, not to pick on Detroit, Michigan, because I actually did my fellowship up in Detroit, but everybody thinks that all these opioids and things are actually coming from the inner cities like Detroit or Mexico, but it's actually the gatekeepers. It's, it's the physicians ourselves that are actually uh, potentiating the problem with this opioid use disorder. There, you know, most of the medications, two-thirds of them are prescribed medications people are becoming addicted to. So it's the physicians that need trained and better educated. And the best thing is there's alternatives to using opioids, which are deadly medications. Wow. Well, it certainly makes sense that education is going to be key along the way. 
Marvin, back to you. In the locker room, when you have obviously physicians who work with the teams, correct? Correct. Yeah. Correct. They're, called, they're, they're, they're called the team doctor, which is something else that um, um, the NFL has to change because uh, you can't serve two masters at the same time. If the team doctor is being paid by the team, then, of course, he's going to put the team priority above the player's priority. Right. Uh, but that's a subject for another another time. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we could go on and on about that. But how how often in your career were you prescribed opioids? Uh, for me, it became a, a, a regular regiment, you know, after I became, you know, established in the league after my third or fourth year because uh, you, you start off in training camp and, and, and you're banging, and even they're doing it today, not as much, but, you know, no matter what type of, uh, wind sprints and, and all that things that you do in the off season. Once you get into training camp and you're going to get somebody physically, then for, for me, it started out with the, uh, with the, the anti-inflammatory, be it, be it Indocin or Naprosyn. And then once you get into the regular season, uh, you, you start to get banged up, you know, and whether, you know, it's, it's, it's taking a, um, a, a Toradol shot before the game or taking Percocet or Tylenol 3 or, uh, whatever other pain medicine or pain blocker that you take after a game. And then, you know, you have a couple of days off, but in those couple of days off, you want to definitely want to take your anti-inflammatory. And, uh, you know, so you can get through practices and get through the week and get ready to play the game. And you do what you have to do. Uh, but I know that, you know, there are players in the league, because I'm still kind of close with a lot of players in the league. I know there are a lot of players in the league that are vaping with, 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 with with you know some high grade and indecin, uh, not I'm sorry, indica, you know that 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 hits their body instead of taking you know uh, indecin or naprosyn as an anti-inflammatory, and they go to practice the next day when there's no negative side effects. So mm-hmm. for me, it was you know a ten to eleven year you know regimen of anti-inflammatory and and, and pain management or, or pain pills to to get through an NFL season because. You know, baseball and, and 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 basketball; those are contact sports. Football is a, is, a, is a collision sport, and uh, they had a general manager for the Buffalo Bills that 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 slipped up this offseason, and and he retracted a couple of days days later. But it, it's a true statement: the human body was not made for football, right. and uh, um, that's you know that's one of the things that 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 NFL players or deal deal with while they're playing and especially after they're playing is dealing with you know the after effects of having so many collisions during during their career and that's why guys get you know addicted to these uh pharmaceuticals and opiates because I tell people all the time I've seen a lot of guys leave the game addicted to, to opiates but I've never seen a guy leave the game addicted to marijuana and I just think like you know, it's the NFL is a perfect league. It's the biggest league. And Roger Goodell has a saying that, you know, we're going to follow the science. They need to lead the science. They lead the science, you know, uh, it can go a long way to ending the prohibition and, and, and get rid of this reefer madness, negative connotation that was engineered by one guy in the government. Yeah. And those who do treat with cannabis, are they failing drug tests? Because I know the NFL subjects players to testing for drugs, don't they? Well, the, the thing is, is the NFL tests for drugs uh, once a year, uh, and, and it's about this time in, in 
July. And so we call it an intelligence test because if you fail that test, you're you're not that sharp. So (laughs) what guys usually do is what guys usually do is they take off the month of June and July, those seven weeks between the end of mini camp, official mini camp and training camp. You know, they work out and they get themselves, you know, they, they just lay off of it and get it out their system. And then they know within the first two weeks of training camp, the drug test is going to come. And then after it comes, you know, it's like 420 in, in the dormitory during training camp because guys know that that's their only time they're going to get tested. And, you know, so like I said, the guys that get busted, it's, it's an intelligence test. But, but there are, you know, guys that, that smoke regularly and been, and been smoking since high school and college. And they know how to uh, test test negative for that one test, and then you have no issue. Right, Martin. I, I think. Um, go ahead. We can ask Josh this weekend. Things like that. I believe Major League Baseball doesn't even test for marijuana. Is that correct? No, Major League Baseball doesn't. Uh, hockey doesn't, and the NBA tests if they have a, a probable cause. Like if you get, you know, found at the airport, like these guys be doing with, you know marijuana in their bag or they get stopped by the police and they have, you know, smell of marijuana, then the NBA, uh, they can test. But, you know, the, the, that's why you don't see a lot of uh, NHL guys or Major League Baseball guys getting popped for marijuana because they don't test for it uh, unless it's a probable cause. And, and, you know, this has to be led by the union. Everybody says, you know, we're going to go to the NFL, go to the NFL. Well, whenever you have some type of safety or health issues in, in, in the industry, be it auto, be it trucking, be it coal mining, the, the changes and the initiative for, for better health and, and well-being of the workers is, is always, has always been uh, initiated by the union. And this is something that's going to have to come out of our union. Uh, and I'm pushing for that. I, I'm definitely pushing for that because, you know, the union is, is the body of players and they're going to have to ask for it. And, uh, if, if if enough guys ask for it, like I said, I think this thing is going to change. You know, the other thing is, um, we actually, you know, is, is having pain clinics and things like that. And I'm an interventionalist and surgeon also, but um, the CDC guidelines that came out this spring, they actually have notations in there that says that they're not really sure that we should be testing for THC in our regular pain patients or laymen out on the street. So obviously, if the federal government is looking at it and says we shouldn't even be testing for it, along with all the scientific research that's coming out and the benefits, um, I think things are going to, like you said, going to change in the next year or two in almost all 50 states. It seems like that's, it's got to change. I mean, it's inevitable as the science comes out, the laws are going to wind up having to catch up with the science ultimately, don't you think? Well, I think like, you know, this this thing is, is happening, and it's not a matter of, of, of if, it's just when. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I know the DEA, is, is it has this under review for, for, for whether they want to reschedule it. But, you know, and this, this election coming up, too, uh, may play a big part. But I think the momentum is behind it. But if you look even across the political spectrum of, of, of the legalization of marijuana, you have Democrats, Republicans, and Libertarians. You know, everybody, like the Koch brothers out there in, in California, and they're very conservative and very libertarian. Well, therefore, the legalization of marijuana. And, you know, senators like Cory, Brook, Cory Booker um, uh, out of New Jersey, I, I know they're, they're looking into it. So it, it's going to happen. But it would be, it, be, it will be real um, 
it, it would have a lot of influence if the NFL came out and said they were, you know, they were relaxing their standards and they were going to study it because, like I said, the NFL is, you know, it moves the needle. Uh, whenever they do something, moves it, it moves the needle. And so I would like for them to, to lead the way instead of following it, you know. And But a lot of people are caught up into their ideology, and, and, and I understand that. But the only thing I have to say is follow the science. If you follow the science, you come to a logical conclusion that this plant has medicinal benefits in so many ways. And this is not anecdotal. This is like science. This is people that have, you know, with the with the kids with the epileptic strokes and seizures and people who had, you know, um, the, 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 the after effects of chemotherapy and, 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 and all that. The medicinal benefits are there. And I just think like, you know, a, a sports league that needs to lead the way is the NFL. Yeah, especially with the neuroprotectant qualities as well, which something, Dr. Tonkin, I think maybe you could address even better. Describe CTE, chronic traumatic encephalitis. or Encephalopathy. Encephalopathy. It took me a while to get it down. Exactly. You know, I was thinking also when you're talking about all the neuroprotective benefits of the medication, you know, there's even though the dial has a product out that um, we've seen, it uh, seems to be helping with um, anxiety and stuff. All these physicians are prescribing benzodiazepines like Xanax, Valium, Ativan, Clonopin, when you're not supposed to be mixing those with the opioids anyways. And most of the uh, overdose deaths are the combination of these deadly medications together. If they had an alternative other than the benzodiazepines, um, the number of uh, overdose deaths would go down significantly. Wow, that's something I didn't know. That's something I, I did not know. That is something I, I did not know, but I, I kind of figured it was in there because I have guys, um, ex-teammates and, and peers that I played with during, during my period in the NFL that, you know, they're having these cognitive, um, these closed head injury uh, uh, symptoms, and the doctors are treating them, you know, with, and uh, Alzheimer's disease medicine and dementia medicine, and plus they're treating their body and their pain with opiates. And I, I, I just, you know, like I said, I'm trying to get as many guys as I can to try the cannabis alternative uh, in the states that it's legal in and what have you, and, and get guys on CBD and get guys on, you know, maybe a combination of, of, of both and give them the entourage effect. But these opiates, man, they're 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 eating at the fabric of of America, you know. And in in the sports league, you know, it it hasn't came out. We haven't had the over, overdoses that that we've had in the entertainment field. But it's it's eating us up, man. It's eating at the fabric of America, and, and something has to be done. Yeah, I agree. Even David Kessler, um, who was the former head of the U.S. Uh, FDA, said that. It's been one of the greatest mistakes of modern medicine to uh, continue to proliferate the the fascination with opioids. Yeah, I think, like I um, had mentioned before, I think it all, when it gets down to it, I think it needs to come back to the responsibility of the physicians. And, you know, many physicians uh, don't like to be told that they're doing something wrong, um, but they are. So we, we need to get the physicians to get stop prescribing all these horrible medications, send them to other alternative therapies, physical therapy, interventional pain procedures, um, using CBD and all that kind of good stuff. 
but it has to be the responsibility of the physicians to stop this. And then they have to stop uh, prescribing medications that, uh, like I said, with the benzodiazepines, where they work together and slow down your breathing and you don't wake up in the morning. So there's a lot of things that the physicians have to take responsibility for and um, put an end to it. But we have an alternative, so I think uh, we need to really start exploring that a little bit heavier. Yeah. How often do you see articles about this in the Journal of American Medical Association? Um, it's, if you, if anybody would Google um, the subject like benzodiazepines and opioids, it's um, you find it all over. But um, you know, a lot of the national associations, like the psychiatry um, association, says that you shouldn't be giving uh, chronically benzodiazepines for anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, panic attacks, or insomnia. But you have to understand, most of the physicians say if you go to your waiting room, you're waiting there forever, and then you get to speak to the doctor for like five minutes. So they come, the patient comes in, um, the doctor wants to address the diabetes, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol. The patient, the only thing they're concerned about is their pain. So what the doctor does, their pain and their anxiety. So what the doctor does is quickly take that off the plate by refilling their medications um, for pain and anxiety when they, and they spend the rest of the time taking care of the diabetes. So no one's ever putting an end to this, this madness of prescribing opioids. And mm-hmm. um, patients... Uh, that go to family practitioners and are prescribed chronically opioids, one out of four has an opioid use disorder, has an addiction problem. So uh, we need to change, you know, the way we're treating patients' pain and take a multidisciplinary approach to everything and start using things that can decrease the amount of opioids uh, we're using in general. Right. And and aren't there new guidelines, too, about the overprescribing so that doctors cannot re-prescribe or refill prescriptions over a certain amount? Well, there are CDC guidelines that came out this spring, and there are recommendations for family practice or uh, primary care physicians uh, regarding the amount of narcotics they think that is reasonable. Um, Some physicians, like a board-certified pain physician, they can pretty much write whatever they want to. They're just guidelines, but they really need to enforce it. And I believe that the family practitioners, if they follow those guidelines, and get them to other ways they can uh, take away their pain with physical therapy, chiropractor, acupuncture, surgery, interventional procedures, um, and follow the guidelines, it's a start. That's the best thing is it's a start. And the doctors will realize when they look at the total amount of milligrams of oxycodone, Percocet, hydrocodone, that they're prescribing, when they look at the, compare that to the the government guidelines, they'll see how out of line they are. And hopefully it'll um, make them open their eyes and start looking for alternatives. And CBD and uh, medical marijuana is a very uh, good alternative. Right, but also with these new guidelines, too, we're seeing a whole new crop of um, addiction uh, regional (laughs) throughout the United States and where people are starting to turn to the street versions of, of opioid pain medication like fentanyl or heroin, really, for that matter. Absolutely. Some of the um, patients that were prescribed uh, narcotics in the past and their doctors now are um, washing their hands of it and don't want to. It's such a scrutinized thing to write an opioid these days that a lot of the doctors are saying, I'm not doing it anymore. So people are going to street drugs like heroin, and a lot of times heroin is laced with fentanyl. And I know there's been a lot of recent um, publicity about um, pain pills that look like Percocet or look like Lortab or Norco, where there actually are um, fentanyl pills just with stamped they look exactly like Percocet. So there are a lot of overdoses that happen with that also. 
um, it's a huge, the opioid uh, epidemic is just huge and it's destroying the nation. Yeah. And it, it's not just um, people that you would think <laughs> would Absolutely. have that problem. I mean, we're talking grandmothers and, and teenagers. and um, We treat attorneys. We treat uh, physicians. It's, there is, it does not discriminate at all. And as Marvin can probably tell you, uh, you know, I was never on the level. I ran on a track scholarship at Virginia Tech. But it could, this could happen to any of us. Marvin could twist his ankle walking out to his car now. Next thing you know, they put a plate in his ankle. They start him on Percocet, and you just six months later, you're not off it. This, this is, it's a disease, and it does not discriminate at all. Yeah. Marvin, I did an article um, a little while ago, a couple months ago, actually, um, talking about Eugene. Um, oh, forgive me. I'm, Eugene Morrell. Yes, yes. And he had, he was actually putting some money into uh, research that was about to happen. But he was talking about how players would just line up for their tee shots and, and injections, pain medicine injections, you know, as almost a, a regimen, a, a regular part of business as usual in the locker room. Was that something that you experienced as well? Yeah, that's, that's the way it is. That's the NFL, man, and that's part of of the game, and and I hate to say this, but I don't know how you cannot you can play in the NFL without something that that you're taking from pain management. Mm-hmm. And so my thing is, why not take something that's natural, comes from a plant, non toxic, non addictive, none of the negative side effects that you're going to have on you know your your liver and your kidneys, and let's try it. Because here's the thing, here's the thing, is that the NFL gives guys exemptions who have ADHD and ADD with their uh, uh, Adderall and uh, Ritalin and, and things like that. So they make, uh, and they call it, a, 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 and I say TUE, I'm sorry, I didn't explain it, a temporary use exemption. So my thing is, is why doesn't the NFL try it with, with marijuana? You know, with, with the teams that, in the states that it's legal, like with the Broncos and, and with, the, with, the, with the Seattle Seahawks, and do a small clinical study group with maybe 10 guys in each team, and instead of doing, um, you know, the anti-inflammatories and the opiates, and, and, and if you're going to do the opiates, then do it with a combination of cannabis and the opiates because they work well. You know, marijuana works well with painkillers. But yeah. instead of having that, that high dosage, have a low dosage and a high dosage of indica or, or sativa and see how that works for, for, for the player. You know, because you, you have to get it down because, how can you go through a regiment from July to January and not be addictive? Yeah. You know, I was in the NFL. By the time I left, I could write my own script. So instead of going to the doctor, to the team doctor, and letting the team know what I was doing, I would go to my own doctor, just like everybody else with doctor shop, and get my own script. So, But before the season started, I already had 400 in the center. I already had 400 Percocet. I already had 400 Tylenol 3, you know, because I knew how to medicate my medicate myself, and I know that that's that that was it, that's not the way it's supposed to be, and that's not good. But there are a lot of veterans like that that they have their own doctors and they can write their own scripts. Mm-hmm. But as far as lining up and 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 getting the shots and 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 getting the pain blocker and pain pills before and after the game, that was the NFL. But I think the NFL needs to look at marijuana for pain management, and then they need to put some money behind the science 
behind the sign uh, because they have an industrial disease, and that's 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 CTE. You know, and it, it and that would go a long way. You know, because it's a closed head injury, uh, PTSD, MPTSD, pugilistic dementia, whatever it is, it's a closed head injury. If the NFL could lead the way, it it would it, 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 it would it would get other people, uh, other leagues behind it, and it bring in more corporate dollars, and you know, we can go along. It would go a long ways to solving the NFL's industrial disease problem, which is CTE, because. Roger Goodell is always talking about, you know, we want to protect the shield. Well, how do you protect the shield? You can't have your other, your, your former players walking around with these issues, with these mood and behavioral issues. And uh, knock on wood, we haven't had a death this year, you know, from, from a suicide from CTE. But, uh, you know, we were averaging to a year. And I, I know that may not seem a lot, but for the NFL, that's a lot. So. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I think the NFL needs to get behind the science of it, and 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 that's where I am on on the scientific basis of the cannabis plant. Get behind it, study it, research it, and see how it can be a benefit to your players and society. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with that. Well, and also cannabis treats so many of the other conditions uh, that would require something other than just the painkillers. You know, the anxiety meds. Um, I mean, it's it's effective in treating PTSD and so many other conditions. So, I mean, Dr. Tonkin, do you agree with just about everything that Marvin just said? Absolutely, um, uh, full-heartedly. I think there's the um, in the things that we do know that it treats um, right now. I can guarantee in five to ten years we're going to have four times the number of uh, medical conditions that can be treated with the plant, all natural plant. Uh, I think we're just, you know, just opening up the can of, of how we can use this plant to solve things. I have a couple um, research projects, actually, we're going to be doing with the CBD. And uh, I think, like I said, five years from now, this is just a just a starter. Yeah. Can you talk about some of your research studies? Um, a lot of them have to do with the pain and with the addiction uh, problems. There's, um, I'm still uh, making some connections in some contracts with one company where we could um, possibly use uh, the cannabis plant. I really can't talk about it right now. But in, okay. in all of our clinics, in the elite pain clinics, we um, use it uh, for the, the pain, for the anxiety, for insomnia. It's very, very good for insomnia. So um, in addiction, the biggest thing that is, uh, you know, people with pain, as Marvin can probably tell you, uh, they're in pain all the time. Um, anxiety and depression are all wrapped up in one. Mm-hmm. So we were our, a lot of our um, research and uh, questionnaires and have to do with uh, how the improvement in your insomnia, your anxiety, your depression, and it's it's pretty remarkable. It's it's uh it's just involving science that's going on now. But it would it really would be nice if the NFL and uh, would stand behind their players. Uh, I have some some friends through some connections. I won't give out any names here through the NFL and things, and they um, tell me stories about their former teammates they, who are walking around today, obviously with some mental impairment from the um, CTE and everything. And um, uh, we just, you know, keep on urging, and hopefully they're going to, Roger Goodell will help out with the uh, NFL, and we can get Major League Baseball and the other pro teams to join in. Yeah. Well, it sounds like um, it's the ball is rolling right now. Well, it, it's, it's definitely rolling, and, and if it's holding, I just want to say, 
like a lot of people in the industry are like, uh, and I won't even call this the industry because, you know, it's not like tobacco industry or liquor industry or, or anything like that, you know, uh, but it's going to become an industry. And the thing is, a lot of people in the industry are saying, well, you know, when Big Farmer gets into it, it's going to ruin it. To me, I think that's a, a misnomer because I don't think they're going to get in and, 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 and you can't change the will. I think we need Big Farmer and these big corporations to get in it because like they've always done, they advance the science, they advance the research because they have the dollars to do it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to uh, reinvent the will. And the people that are doing it right, the people that are doing it, uh, just not for profit and trying to help people, they're going to be in the industry. The people that are doing it wrong, and there's a lot of guys in, in, in this industry that are doing it wrong, they're going to get out when it becomes an industry. you know. Mm-hmm. But I welcome all the big corporations and the big pharmaceuticals and big tobacco to come in because I know they're going to take this thing to another level. And so people like Dr. Tompkins and all these other companies, you just got to be in position to... to uh, when, when when they come in and, and ride that wave, everybody boats rise. When the tide comes in, everybody's boats going to rise because I just think, you know, this thing is 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 going to take off within the next uh, five to ten years. In ten years, it's going to be really exploding, and we're going to see the benefits. And like Doctor Thompson said, there's going to be, you know, how many other diseases and and and, and ailments that it can help. Uh, and so I look forward to that. But for right now. I definitely want the NFL to get behind the NFLPA. Yeah. Well, I think the key right now is just getting legitimacy to the, the industry, as Marvin was saying. And um, uh, one of the, my wife's a physician also, and I remember the first uh, medical marijuana conference we went to, we were going to bring it into, I had done so much research on it and thought it was a, a great idea. We went to a conference, and the, the, the thing we disliked is the moment we walked in the conference was, um, you know, there's a good percentage of people that just do it recreationally. And when uh, when I approached Isodial, we were talking about you need to have physicians uh, behind this, and you need to have some uh, scientific data and things. You just can't have a people just people running around recreational use. If you want this to be accepted and be voted legal in these states, you have to have the science behind it, and you have to um, present this um, medical treatment as um, in a professional manner, you don't need to uh, just, you know, present it as people trying to get high all the time when it has, has such um, so many benefits to help so many medical conditions. So one of the things that um, I was trying to help Isodial is actually bring it uh, to the market where we can actually present it in a very very professional um, manner and present it to physicians and other healthcare providers as a as a legitimate. That's the key, legitimate and responsible. A way to treat uh, pain, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, and who knows what else. Mm-hmm. And I think also uh, getting over the hump for pharmaceutical companies. Marvin, you were saying that you know once they bring, once they get into this, it's going to bring a certain level of legitimacy to the industry as well. When it becomes an industry, as you say, but I think that there's that initial hump that we have to get over because I think pharmaceuticals, for the most part, at the moment, are quite threatened by it because you know, it's going to render a lot of their drugs that treat pain and then the drugs that treat the side effects and all of those drugs uh, sort of obsolete. Well, it, it should, you know, and the thing is, it's like the companies that can adapt, they just won't be around. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there were, you know, uh, and, and the thing is, is uh, as Steve Jobs said, there's, there's innovators, imitators, and idiots. <laughs> the, the innovators are uh, AOL, maybe MySpace. Imitators are the Google, Facebooks, and then the idiots are trying to, trying to, trying to copy it. I think the, 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 the pharmaceuticals got to come in and be very good imitators. Mm-hmm. And the ones that don't adapt, they're going to go by the wayside because mm-hmm. this is going to be, you know, a 21st century deal. And so 50 years from now, you know, who knows who's going to be around, but you have to adapt because I know that some of the alcohol and, and, and liquor companies that were around at the turn of the century and, and, and didn't adapt to post-prohibition, they're no longer around. Right. So they have to come in and, and adapt. And, and if, that part of their business goes away, then it goes away. Mm-hmm. I think that's good for, that's going to be good for the company. It, it, I mean, I think it's going to be good for the industry and it's going to be good for society. If they're still trying to push pharmaceuticals when you have this natural plant that other companies are out researching and studying and getting the benefits out of it, and you're still trying to go with these uh, uh, addictive uh, pharmaceuticals and opiates. Yeah. Well, I think the you know hopefully they will they will begin to adapt sooner rather than later because I think that the lobbies are very powerful, uh, trying to prevent the legislation too, from what I understand. But it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how this all pans out, and I'm gonna I'm, I will follow what happens at the NFL certainly because I think that you're right. I think that if if an institution as large and famous as the NFL can get behind this and really start looking at it. I think that you're right. People will follow. And I think it'll be good for everyone if they do that. So, Well, they look at, you know, NFL as, as these guys as heroes. So they'll see. And, you know, everybody say, you know, playing a kid's game is not a kid's game. It's invented by a man, played by a man, and kids emulate that. Mm-hmm. And if they see their favorite quarterback, you know, uh, baking, you know, to keep his brain safe and break bake, baking some CBD. And this is something that CBD is something like a 28, you know, year old NFL quarterback can take and a 12 year old Pop Warner kid can take. Mm-hmm. And it have the same, uh, same effect on them. It acts as an antioxidant and neuroprotectant for the brain. And anti-inflammatory. And I, it, it, exactly. And I think the NFL needs to get behind this. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Well, it's it's all the science behind it is all very exciting to watch. I mean, so many things are unfolding right now, and I think we're in for some big changes coming up here pretty soon. I agree. I agree. And um, if uh, I'll have to, uh, so I'll have to give you my contact information um, off off the air here and uh, see if we can possibly even set up some kind of nationwide internet. Uh, questionnaire regarding it won't be an official research product, but I bet you we could get some questionnaires and have people try CBD and um, see what their responses are and um, write, uh, write a it's called a white paper uh, with a synopsis of how people are doing and just kind of open up the eyes. I'm sure we could get um, tens of thousands of uh, patients to actually try CBD that are inquisitive about it. I would I would love to communicate with you about that as well. And 
you know, on a political level too, we're very interested in in talking to you know getting roundtables together and doing debates as publicly as possible with the people who are still talking about how it's a gateway drug and it's addictive and they're really resisting and putting a lot of pressure on our state governments and uh, and our federal government as well to keep it illegal in terms of recreational use. But there are a lot of reasons why um, the, the overall legalization is important because some of the medical laws are so restrictive and they don't allow people to use it for conditions that we know for a fact it will treat. So I'd well, love to stay in touch. Yeah, uh, that'd be great. I actually was on a roundtable with uh, Senator Claire McCaskill out of uh, Missouri two weeks ago, and they were talking about the opioid use disorder addiction problem in the United States. Um, Missouri is actually the only state in the country that doesn't have a pharmacy prescription monitoring program where we can get on the Internet and see where the patients are getting all their medications, see if they're doctor shopping. So they were very fixed on that, which Missouri does need to adopt that um, legislation. Mm-hmm. But what I was, as I mentioned earlier, what I was trying to um, really um, uh, explain to her is um, it's just not having a pharmacy monitoring program. It's the physicians. Right. I think we really need to hit the physicians and get them educated and have them stop um, the prescribing practices they have right now. Yeah. And a white paper is is a great way to get their attention, too. Oh, absolutely. And if um, I'm serious, if, if you would like to um, get together and actually set up a little website where we can have patients uh, try CBD, we can have them basically click what kind of disorder they, you know, obviously have. And, and um, I'm sure we could come up with some compelling evidence and then possibly write an uh, IRB um, and get an uh, like an official research study going across the country. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's definitely talk about this. And, wow, well, there's a lot to absorb here. So this weekend, both of you will be attending the Southern California Cannabis Conference and and Expo over in San Diego, right? Yeah, we'll we'll be there. And, and Dr. Thompson, please bring me some samples of CBD. because I'm a big believer in it. And, and here's the other thing is is that I have a lot of friends and teammates and family members and whatever, they reach out to me. Uh, I had a teammate reach out to me a couple months ago, and he was taking eight Percocets a day for, for his pain management. And uh, I, I'm definitely trying to dial in that and, and get guys off of that and try this. And a lot of guys, like I said, they're caught up in the ideology and thinking, you know, reefer madness and all that. And that's not the way it is. And any way that I can push this movement forward, I would love to. If you want somebody to debate somebody, I can show them examples of and get guys and, and even myself, the guys that had to sacrifice to get to the NFL and get to get to college and make good grades and got a college degree, but, you know, smoke recreationally. And, you know, uh, I, I don't feel that I'm any worse for the wear. Um, you know, and I know what's more dangerous than marijuana. Um, uh, you know, if, if you ask any police officer or sheriff how many domestic violence calls he's been in about that involves alcohol, he'd probably tell you 90%, but how many involves marijuana, he'd probably go none. Yeah. And so I'm very dialed in on, on that, and I, I debate anybody. So right. anything that I can do to move this movement forward to Dr. Tompkins, I, I, I would love to. And uh, just let me know 
and hopefully this is the start of a you know uh, a good relationship to to move this this forward. And you know, I definitely appreciate um, this this platform. You know, anytime I get a platform to speak to speak about it, I definitely I definitely do. And Snowden, uh, if there's anything I can do, just let me know. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, I I so look forward to meeting both of you in person um, this uh, this weekend at the Southern California Cannabis Conference and Escrow. And um, gosh, I, thank you both so much for. Martin, I'll get some of that uh, uh, CBD for you from Isodial. Okay, definitely, definitely. Okay, guys, I I, I got Ron, and I'll see you guys. And let's keep this Yes, absolutely. And we'll talk to you both very soon. So thank you again. All right. Well, thanks to all of you for listening today. I'd like to personally thank Dr. David Tonkin and Marvin Washington for joining us today. Wow. What a big topic. And um, you can look forward to seeing them if you're in San Diego this weekend at the Southern California Cannabis Conference and Escrow. And the tickets are available actually at SoCal ccexpo.com and please visit us at thecannabisreporter.com to learn more about this topic and to download today's show. I'd also like to thank Kyle Pratt, our amazing engineer, for hosting the show with us today. It's a little bit more complicated when everyone's in different parts of the world. But thank you all for listening. I'm Snowden Bishop, the Cannabis Reporter. Over and out. Green is calling. Evergreen is always